Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Splash Weather Repel Premium Windshield Wash features a 3-in-1 formula that repels rain, sleet, snow, and bugs while leaving a streak-free shine. It keeps you seeing safely all year long. Pick up some at Walmart today. See safely on the road when you apply a little splash. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. All right, it's that all-important time once again. Oh, yeah, you know it. Time for the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my kick-ass friend and awesome co-host, Mr. Chris Sinzak. How are you feeling tonight, my friend? I'm good. I'm ready to talk about some uh, current rock news. How are you doing? There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, and the most important things are the kind of news stories we cover. You know, we're going to talk about rock and roll. That's the way I like it. That's why we are your number one news source. Because this week, it's time for the latest edition of New Noise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've got a a lot to cover. And um, we have a very interesting thing to start off the show. A very interesting thing to start off the show? Yeah, we have a review. And considering where it came from, it's pretty interesting. Let me see this. Let me take a look. Oh, wow. Pink stars. Five of them. That's Pod Chaser. I know that one anywhere. All right, so this one comes to us from John Harper. He reviewed the show, and he said this. This has been my favorite hard rock and metal podcast for a while now, and the Michael Wagner interview was the icing on the cake. What an amazing interview with such a legend of our generation of music. If you love rock music and want to listen to a podcast hosted by knowledgeable people, this is the podcast for you. Keep on rocking, guys. And that's from John Harper, but I don't understand what's so, what's so strange about that. The fact that we got a Podchaser review is pretty strange. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we never get one. <laughs> At this point, I'm happy with anything, you know, but I really like that Podchaser because, I mean, you can really break it down like episode by episode. If you really, truly follow a podcast and you want to interact with them, what a better way than Podchaser. You can leave your review for every single episode and tell your favorite podcast what you like, what you don't like. They're going to see it. If they track any of their stuff, any of their numbers, they're going to see it. And so it's a great resource to be able to interact with your favorite podcast, you know, and give instant reviews to everything going on. So, 
you know, Podchaser is pretty awesome. Check it out for yourself. Look up your favorite podcasts on there and see what other people are saying about them. If you want to leave us a review while you're there, we'd sure appreciate it. We also like iTunes reviews or whatever they call it nowadays. What? Apple, Apple Podcasts. Podcasts. Well, I just fell back in the past like two years there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I had a time slip. But yeah, great place to leave them there. And of course, we always like Facebook recommendations. So if you're on the Facebook, check us out on there. We've got an awesome page on there. It's the Decibel Geek Podcast. There's all kinds of cool conversation going on in there. There's Decibel Geek Community Group. There's always fun conversation happening in there. If you like to talk about rock and roll and interact with other people that feel the same way as we all do about this kind of music, those are two great ways to do it. So yeah, check that out. Yeah, and and leave a Facebook recommendation. I mean, you guys are putting photos of your cats, your food, your politics, and everything else on there. So take five seconds and leave a Facebook recommendation. Please. (laughs) All right, so that brings us up to our next favorite people. Now, these are the people that took last week's episode, and when it was officially released in the the news feed on the Facebook and on the Twitter, and they find it, they retweet it. It's not as complicated as I make it sound. But we got a lot of great feedback from last week's episode, and a lot of people shared it. And, you know, I just got to say once again, man, true honor to have been able to be a part of Michael Wagner's last interview ever. Yeah, that's... um it's gone over well. It's gotten good numbers and, you know, great feedback. Thanks everybody that's shared it and commented. And it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a true honor to talk to Michael for the, you know, for his last public interview. We're obviously going to stay in touch with him and uh, like, you know, like Aaron tease, maybe we can talk him into doing it again. I'm willing to try anytime, you know, he's got so many great stories. He told us so many things and answered so many questions and, things that I always wondered and things I never even thought to ask till they came up in conversation. And I think best of all, all the questions submitted by you, our listeners, you know, thank you to everybody that participated in that because you guys had amazing questions and I'm so glad we were smart enough to ask you guys to put your input on the interview and that made it go even better. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Eddie Trunk did a great interview with him for Sirius, but I'm maybe I'm biased, but I think ours was better. Yeah, you're probably a little biased, but you're not the only person I've heard that from. So you can feel good about that. I sure do. So like I was saying, the people that really love that and wanted to share the word about what we do here on Decibel Geek Podcast, they found those original tweets and those original posts, and they shared them on their Facebook pages so that way other people see what we got going on. Now what we see is that when people do that, we want to give them a shout out. That's why these folks are awesome Geeks of the Week. Geeks of the Week this week are Adam Cox, Rockin' Ron Rinion, Baco, Rob Birchmeyer, Simon Katz, Shay Hargett, Aaron Baker, Jay Shablewski, Joshua Toomey, Mark and Jerry BS Sessions, Mark Alden-Taylor, John Phillips, David Glenn, Brent Tibbetts, In Obscuria Podcast, John Verno, or Mike Parnell, Keith Rockford, Sit and Spin with Joe, Kristen Schimbeck, J.J. McElhenney, Eladio, Kevin's on Fire, Ernesto Aguiar, Vet Halen, Hakon Bergstad, David Cathy, Scott Crouch, and as always, the Mooger Fooger. Fooger. You read so fast, man. I lost my place. (laughs) (laughs) I gave you a second. (laughs) I know you did. Man, before we move on with the new noise, I just want to say one more thing. You know, it was so much fun getting those amazing stories and being out in Wireworld Studios one last time to record something. 
was just amazing. And I'm so glad that we do this show so that we can celebrate people like Michael and we get to meet people that feel the same way about music that we do that really see the legendariness of a guy like Michael Wagner and love and appreciate him so much. I always have a good time talking to him. I think, I think you know, you talk about like him doing other podcasts and how it goes and then how, we, how it is when he's on with us. We got something special with him. And I think, you know, I give Baco from Cobras and Fire a little shit sometimes, just a little bit, but I do love him. Because when we put out the call for questions, I think what he said was something like, it doesn't matter, you know, what what you ask because you guys have such a great rapport with Michael Wagner. It's going to be great just to listen to it. And that made me feel pretty good. And I knew it was true because every time we've sat down with Michael, it's been nothing but podcast gold, baby. Every time. Yeah, it's been, it's all it's always a pleasure talking to him, and uh, hopefully we can go back for more. Cause uh, yeah, definitely don't want a, our talks with him to end because they're always so much fun. If anybody's gonna be pestering him about it, you can count on it to be us. <laughs> we'll always take him back for anything, anytime. Yeah, definitely. So I guess that brings us up to current times. We're going to find out what's going on in the world of news. I really haven't been paying too much attention lately. I really need to more, but that's why I rely on you, my number <laughs> one newscaster. That's you, Chris Sinzak, to keep me and everybody else informed. So what do we got on the slate for the news tonight? Well, I'm just a nerd with a blabbermouth link, so here <laughs> we go. <laughs> so... Um, I just went through blabbermouths like, well, that looks interesting. That looks interesting. And I threw together some stories. And now, I, not to start things out on too much of a downer note, but today that we're recording this is December 8th. And, you know, this is a solemn day in rock and roll history for two, re- two very big reasons. Um, this is the anniversary of John Lennon's assassination in 1980. And it is also the anniversary of Dimebag Daryl's assassination. Yeah. And, um, the first story we have is uh, tied into that a little bit. The uh, the Al Rosa Villa nightclub in Columbus, Ohio, where uh, Dimebag was gunned down, is uh, finally going to get demolished, or it's actually officially been demolished. Uh, it got uh, demolished this past week. Wow. So I wonder if they had some kind of like celebration out there, you know, down close to the anniversary and bury that thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they... You know, and I'm not trying to besmirch, that's a big word, like gymnasium, the uh, the venue, because, I mean, they, they hosted a lot of pretty legendary bands throughout the, their time around. They were out for 45 years. So, um, you know, they, the club doesn't deserve the blame. They were just hosting the event. But uh, it was uh, it's hard to believe, though, that that was 2004. That was 17 years ago that Man. Dimebag died. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It feels like yesterday still, I think. Yeah. I remember... Uh, Getting up uh, at my house, this was like two houses ago, and it was not, I think it was snowing that day in Tennessee. I remember that. And uh, going, I would, I would check out news websites first thing, and um, that was the first thing I saw that morning. And I remember kind of just pacing my house for like a good hour, mm. trying to kind of trying to wrap my head around it, like, oh my god, yeah, dime bag's gone, and uh, yeah, it was a horrible, horrible incident, and. Um, 
Yeah, now we we don't have Dime or Vinny anymore. No, I remember just the feeling of being so shook by the news, you know, because the guy was young, you know, you sure didn't expect something to happen to him. And then the way, Mm -hmm. you know, the way it all went down, just insane, you know, and that makes it even more shocking. And it's, you know, you talk about the legend of John Lennon, you know, when he got assassinated on the same day, but... That's, you know, kind of a little bit before my time. I was a little kid. I didn't know nothing about the Beatles. The murder of Dimebag, man, that one, it really hit me hard. And I just, I, I don't, I don't know. There's not a lot of rock stars, you know, that pass that really shock you like that. Because most of them, thankfully, make it to a nice, ripe old age. Yeah. But when somebody's ripped away like that, you know, that makes it so much, so much worse, I think. Well, I kind of think that, um, you know, for our generation of, you know, those of us that love metal, um, it was kind of our John Lennon moment, you, you know, because um, I remember my parents telling me about how devastated they were the night that Lennon got killed. You know, I was only, you know, I, I had just turned four when that happened. So I have no memory of that right. at all. But, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I remember just it's that that's one of those you remember where you were when you heard the news, you know, and uh so obviously I I didn't find out till the ninth because I was I had gone to bed early I guess the night before but I know several of my friends had heard that night that it had happened and uh, our friend Chad Lee who you know who we had on the show long long time ago you know he was get, he was supposed to be there he was hanging out with Dime in Chicago like a day or two before this gig and was supposed to go and then but uh, for some reason didn't go and uh, he got the call so. And something Chad said in that interview always stuck with me where I I told him, I said, I really wish I got to, to meet him. And he just stopped and he says, no, I wish you could have got to meet him because that's the kind of guy he was. You yeah. know, he just, he was, he always just brightened everyone's day up when he was around. So um, hats off to Vinny, to Vinny and Dime. Uh, miss you both uh, a lot. Crank some Pantera in their honor, but yeah, that's uh Valrosa Villa, now not a thing anymore. Yeah, kind of bittersweet. You know, I never want to see a legendary rock club go away, but, I mean, that place, no matter who else ever played there before or after, you, you never you never get that, that stink off of you, you know? You're always yeah. going to, that's, anytime anybody would go to a show there, that's what you would think, you know? And so, I don't know. Did it last for a long time after? Did they continue sure. to put shows on there? I don't know. I'm pretty sure they did. Um, I don't know. I'm not real that from really that familiar. Hmm. Well, there's your crack research. That sucks <laughs> all the way around. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure we have a listener in Columbus that could tell us that. Yeah. So tell us in the comments. There you go. Yeah. So I think Aaron Baker's in in the Columbus area, somewhere in Ohio. But um, all right. So uh, it wouldn't be a new noise without a KK Downing quote, would it? <laughs> so always interesting yeah um in a brand new interview with metal edge magazines another effing podcast with izzy presley our good friend izzy presley uh kk downing who's promoting the debut album from kk's priest we'll talk about i'm gonna talk about that in a minute spoke about the circumstances that led to his departure from priest more than a decade ago and he says in two, in 2010 we were all going to retire we were all going to finish the band that was the plan we had decided and we were putting together the press statements and everything announcing the final tour wow. And they asked us to pick a title for the farewell tour, hence Epitaph, which was there. 
I decided I wasn't going to do that farewell tour because I really didn't want to know. I didn't really want to know if it, I was going to enjoy it. After a lifetime of success on my whole legacy, I didn't want to do a tour that I really felt I wasn't going to enjoy. So I opted out of the last tour. And then a few months later, I changed my mind. I was talking to Ian Hill and asked him to send the set list over, but they sent the press release out and that made me really angry then. So I sent a sharp letter to Glenn and Jane Andrews, the manager, very sharp letter because I felt that they had made their decision anyway. They'd found somebody new and I thought that was the wrong thing to do because it's changing the course of history. Now that's not the story. I mean, that's kind of past history. Yeah. But uh, then they do firepower with uh, Andy Sneap who produces and then Andy Sneap gets the the gig as the other guitar player to go on tour because, you know, Glenn is sick. Right. And he says, I was shocked and stunned when they didn't give me a call because I was sitting there waiting for an opportunity. Okay, they got Richie in to replace me in 2011. They wanted him. But at some point, I felt there w- would have been an opportunity wherever that may be. So when Glenn handed the guitar over to Andy, I was in disbelief. I consider Andy a friend. I've been to a studio and worked up there, and we talk, and he will admit himself, even in his own band, Hell, he wasn't a lead guitar in that band because Kevin Bauer was a lead player. So I thought that was extremely odd because it has changed the course of history for the band, really. But I kept asking them, are you sure the door is closed? Because Andy's always said he would step down at any time for me to go back. And he said in the press that he would do it as long as they asked him to do it. And they've since said that Andy is just their touring guitarist, so they only have one guitarist, it seems to me. Huh. But anyway, it was not to be. They set their lawyers on me and didn't want any part of me, so I just decided to move on. Well, that kind of sucks. I mean, if that's the way it really is. I will tell you what this all boils down to. Jane Andrews, the manager. Okay. I mean, I don't know if you remember, when when KK left the band, he went on a press tour and pretty much badmouthed Jane Andrews left and right. And she's still the manager? Yes. Then, yeah. Well, I think think she's Glenn Tipton's girlfriend or wife. Okay. Well, that makes it even tougher then. You You go out there running your mouth. You know, that's called burning a bridge. So and I and I think he also if I remember right he badmouthed Rob Halford quite a bit too at that time. See, you just can't go around badmouthing people and then go back a little while later and be like, "Hey, can I have my job back?" <laughs> right. I I love KK Downing and I I would love to see him and Judas sure. Priest, but you can't blame them for having the stance they have right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's well, I'd be like, I don't know. Hey, Chris. I'm going to, I don't want to do the show for a while. So you just go ahead without me or pick somebody else for a while and I might come back. I don't know. Probably not. And then I go on everybody else's show and talk shit about you. That fucking Chris and Zach, you know, <laughs> talk shit that whole time. And then in a month, come back and be like, Hey man, I'm ready to come back on the show. What are you going to tell me? fuck off you know <laughs> i'm not gonna fire Toomey after he replaces you right so. yeah so yeah. you know <laughs> new guys in there doing a you know pretty good job you know he may not yeah. be camaro but camaro went off talking shit you know i wouldn't expect you to take me back if i did something like that i wouldn't even ask to come back you know i'd have too yeah. much pride myself to go you know what i was an asshole and i'm not even gonna ask because i don't deserve it and you know and I like KK. I do. And like I said, I, as a Priest fan, I think it would be awesome to see him and Richie up there playing. I mean, I sure. think it would be amazing. But I mean, and I saw Andy Sneap when they played here in Nashville, and, and Andy was good enough. Um, you know, I mean, it's to me, I'm going just to hear the songs um, and to hear the set list and hear Rob sing. Yeah. But, 
you know, I'm not as much of a, maybe I'm not a diehard enough of a priest fan where this doesn't, where this should bother me more, but it doesn't. So it doesn't affect you in the way like, say, Kiss does. No, it doesn't. Okay. I mean, he's not where. That's kind of what I was wondering while we were talking about this is do the hardcore priest fans feel as strongly about all this as, say, Kiss fans do new guys replacing old guys? Well, I'm not the right person to ask. I mean, I'm I'm a I love Priest. They're like one of my favorite bands, but I I haven't been a giant Priest fan since like, you know, 1979 yeah. or whatever. But that the, I I know I've seen a lot of outcry of people going, "Oh, just bring KK back." But I mean, if you know, if there's all these hard feelings, the only way this would get worked out would be if they all sat in a room together and went through mediation and all that or hire Metallica's performance coach or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, but you know, he mentioned, you know, he's promoting his new album and that's why he's doing all these interviews. But have you heard any of the KK's pre stuff that's come out? Um, just what was released, I think as a single. What did you think of it? I thought it was all right. It's, I like Ripper Owens, you know, and I, it sounds priesty. It kind of reminds me of like, I guess Ripper Owens era priest where it's super heavy. It sounds like it's trying to be painkiller with Ripper Owens singing. Yeah, that's what it sounds yeah. like to me. And it, not that that's a bad thing, but but it sounds so very generic in parts. And I think I was soured to it because they it was kind of a bait and switch when they were promoting it. Because when this first was getting started, they were promoting it as uh, Les Binks being on the drums. Yeah. And I was like, oh fuck, KK and Les Binks together, like we're gonna get some stained class type stuff. You know, so I wanted 70s sounding pre stuff. And then it's like, oh, let's just rip off Painkiller for the umpteenth time. Hmm. And it's like, I don't know. I just, I haven't, I've been kind of turned off by it. That's the thing. You, you go, you got to go by the Jack Russell rule. You got to have so many members of the band or people that have been in the band over the years to be able to call yourself that. So you shouldn't call it KK Priest if there's only one of you. Or two of you. Yeah. If there's only two of you, you got to have at least three, I think, is the rule. Yeah, but look at Judas Priest. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess nobody plays by the rules anymore. Well, I mean, if you want to get technical, Ian Hill's the last man standing. I mean, even Rob wasn't that's an original true. member. That's true. So. <laughs> I'm just thinking you know, classic era, I guess. I don't know. I'm still convinced that. Ian Hill stands in cement for every show because he never moves from that one spot. He just rocks back and forth. I love him, but he never moves on stage. Hell of ever. a bass player. Oh, he's great. I love Ian Hill, but it's just, it always cracks me up because like he finds his spot on stage and he is not moving yeah. until the show's over. He doesn't have to. <laughs> no, he's Ian Hill. Nobody's looking at him. Everybody just feels it. <laughs> All right, next story. Um, Steve Vai's been in the news. He's got a uh, he's got a new solo record coming out in January. So of course I'm super I'm super stoked about hearing that. Um, but uh, he uh, had a comment out here about his time with David Lee Roth, and he says Steve Vai, who joined David Lee Roth's post Van Halen band more than 35 years ago as lead guitarist, spoke to CMS Music about the impact and leg- of legendary Van Halen axeman Eddie Van Halen. He said, I, I'm not unlike the average Edward fan in that he really had an effect. For Edward fans that were really touched by him, it's inexplicable, obviously. You can try to use words, but it doesn't really work. It's like that with many things. I have a different position in that, yeah, one might say I re- that I replaced the guitar behind the voice, 
but that's just academics to me when it comes to the way I felt about Edward in the morning of his loss. I'm a fan like everybody else. And I feel the way they do, but I know also like many people, everything in this world is coming and going and coming and going and coming and going. And if it doesn't go, it only means you went before it and we just don't know when. So that's something that helps me get through loss because it's going to happen. But it was a beautiful, beautiful, amazing ride that he had. And he just delivered so much and he had a great run. It's not like he died at 27 and we don't want to see anybody like that. We want to squeeze every note out of him. For me, it was a complete honor to be able to play those parts If you're a guitar player and you're a fan of that band, you know so those are some of the coolest guitar parts written in rock and roll because they're like perfect little arrangements. They fall so well on your hands. They'll never sound like Edward, but they're great songs to play on the guitar because they're complete and you become a better player, especially the position that I was in where I was playing his parts to his fans. So I had to pay deep respect to those parts, and in so doing, I discovered a really great ride there because you have to focus. It has to improve your playing, so I was lucky in all that. That's so, pretty cool uh, perspective, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's a giant. I mean, he had to have felt, I know Steve Vai's kind of cool, cool as a cucumber all the time, but, um, he had to have felt an enormous oh, pressure yeah. taking that gig with David Lee Ross. Well, you're talking about, like he said, you know, you got to do it right for the fans because the fans that are coming out and seeing David Lee Roth in that era are also getting a lot of great Van Halen songs along with it. So, you know, you can't go out there and mess it up. And like you said, you're never going to be Eddie Van Halen, but you still better do your very best, you know, and better hit it right because you're you're surrounded by serious critics, you know, people that take it real seriously. Yeah. Did you, let me ask you, did you, uh, did you get in any of the Steve Vai, like, uh, instrumental stuff back in the 80s? Mm, not really really like flex flexible passion and warfare any of that Not stuff really man i like the songs mm-hmm. off of the bill and ted soundtrack that he did mm-hmm. he's there's no doubt he's one of the most legendary guitar players of all time but i don't i don't get into those noodly noodly songs you know where it's no <laughs> no vocals no nothing going on just insane guitar you know and there's if i put it on i'd enjoy it but I just right. rarely put that kind of stuff on. Some of uh, really, I mean, and like when he got into the '90s stuff, uh, he, you know, he got very metaphysical with a lot of stuff, and he got way more adventurous. Um, I can respect that stuff as a guitar player, but I'm only listening to that for like woodshedding purposes if I'm listening to it. But in the '80s and early '90s, when he was doing flexible and passion and warfare and songs like little green men and stuff like that. And also I, you know, I'm, I think I'm one of the three people that enjoyed his work with white snake. A lot of people hated it. There was some really amazing stuff there, but do do yourself a favor and don't watch the video (laughs) from passion and warfare for, uh, I can't remember the name of the song. You probably know the one I'm talking about the quote unquote hit from that record. But there's another video where he's playing on a TV and these like teenage girls are watching him and fl- flipping out. <laughs> it gets to the point where he's taking his clothes off and stuff. And it's like very oh, pervy. Wow. I can't remember the name of the song off the top of my head. This is how out of, it's been that long since I've watched it, but I, I saw it a few years ago. I was like, Oh my God, this is creepy huh. as fuck. Um, check that out. <laughs> I don't know. I'll share it on, I'll share it on the decibel geek community okay, page. Okay, cool. I want to see as, that now. As I'm telling you not to watch it, but yeah, it's like, God, this would never fly nice. today. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I've got breaking news. What's that? I, Aaron Camaro, have just been sent an invitation to join the Keelaholics group from Ron Keel himself. 
Oh, nice. And in more breaking news, I accept. <laughs> I'm amazed. Right now. Seriously, folks, if you're if you love Ron Keel, now's a great time to be a fan of that guy because he's doing all the Patreon stuff and doing Zoom interviews and, you know, hanging out with his fans over the internet. I mean, there's nobody out there really that gives you more of an immersive experience into their music and into their lives than Ron Keel. If you love that guy and you don't know about all you can get involved in with, with him, you definitely need to check that out. No, Ron's the best. It looks like a good place to start is the Keelaholics group. Just don't ask about Steeler for too long. <laughs> <laughs> well, that got edited out, remember? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There's some behind the scenes for you. <laughs> what else we got in the news? Uh all right, well, we were kind of on the David Lee Roth kick, so let's keep going with that. Um, and then I, I really want your honest thoughts on this. David Lee Roth extends his Las Vegas residency. Um, he's added four more shows to the upcoming residency. Right on. He, uh, he was going to do January 1st, 5th, 7th, and 8th, and now he's added 14th, 15th, 21st, and 22nd. And he says, he says, uh, David Lee here. I had no idea how many of you wanted to see me go. Okay, that sounded wrong. All right, don't turn it off. David Lee here for the second time. I had no idea how many of you wanted to pay to see me go. So I'm putting more tickets on sale instead of doing the wrong thing and pissing more people off. I have industry professionals now ringing in telling me, Dave, at your age, you should be in the middle of your third retirement. Did you watch the Rocky movies? He's on his seventh. Same guy, Rambo. Fit. This is typical yeah. David Lee Roth. Fifth, he's about 14 retirements ahead of you. Just when I get out, they drag me back in. Look, I'm vulnerable. I feel sensitive. If I sound that way to you, I'm in the middle of my first retirement. And I'm going to extend my world goodbye tour of Las Vegas at the House of Blues for two more weekends, like any good fucking barbecue, just like you would if you could. Do awesome. we think that this is just a spur of the moment, let's add more shows decision, or do we think this was planned all along and he's really not retiring? Hmm. I don't know. I think he should retire if he if he's talking about it. He's been talking about retiring for a while now. And the last time we had this conversation, I believe it was on the last episode of New Noise. We yeah, I think so. thanked David Lee Roth and sent him on his way, you know. And now he's right. back. <laughs> and now and here we go again. No, but I get it. If he's if it's true, if people are complaining saying, "Hey, I'd go, but it's sold out. Add more shows." why not you know go for it this may be this yeah. I, i'm guessing this probably is the last hurrah and if like he said you know more people want to see him go send him on his way live and in person add more shows but here's the thing when he first announced these shows he put a tour poster out and even then the tour poster said the last tour and then in little letters under it said until it isn't hmm. that's very kissish so i think this was planned all along <laughs> and a million yeah, other men yeah, to milk the farewell <laughs> thing. So, I mean, overall, I'm happy because I was worried about his health because he made it sound like he was dying in that announcement yeah. he made. So uh, hopefully he's okay. Um, the thing is, I don't know. I mean, Roth hasn't sounded good in a long time. So I don't know. If, if you're going to see him, you're going for the nostalgia factor sure. of it. But, but uh, I mean... That Van Halen live album they put out from Japan. Did you ever listen to that? Uh, is that the one with the big boat on the cover? Yes. Yeah, I think I did once. Oh, he sounds terrible on that. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, Dave, I love David Lee Roth, always will, but yeah, it's like his voice is gone. He hasn't resorted to, to lip syncing at least, but I'll give him that. Right. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him one more time, but I, I'm not paying to go to Vegas to do it. Yeah, I wish I could, but I'll just have to keep my good memories of Dave seeing him when he was a little younger. But I mean, if it was happening here in Nashville, I'd go for oh, sure. Oh, I'd go. Without a doubt. Yeah. I'd so try to get an interview because I'd love to have an interview with him just so I could sit for 90 minutes and not have an idea of what the fuck he's talking about. Why don't you bring him to Rock and Pod? <laughs> oh, is it too early to talk about Rock and Pod? <laughs> it's too early to talk about having the money to book David Lee Roth. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't afford David Cut Lee Roth. Cut us a deal. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, speaking of David Lee Roth and Billy Sheehan and Greg Bissonette, when we talked to them at Rock and Pod, and they told us the story about the almost reunion of the Eat 'Em and Smile band, I think it was Matt Starr posted a picture yeah. from that night on Facebook last week, and man, it was pretty cool to have like a visual to go along with the awesome story from that episode that we did live at Rock and Pod last year. Yeah, and the story was crazy because like that. Uh... I think it's called Lucky Strike Live was the name of the venue. And it. I think it, they said it holds 400 at the most, which is, that's ex- the exact size of what uh, Mercy Lounge holds, where right. we had the Rock and Pod pre-party. They said they had 1,000 people lined up yeah, around the block. Because word got out that David Lee Roth was reuniting yeah. with the Eat em and Smile band that night live on stage. Man, I so wish that could have happened. I remember when, I remember that night, because people were posting on Facebook and everywhere, you know, talking about it. So like hours before people were like, holy shit, they're going to actually get together. So I mean, I heard about it all the way out here in Nashville and I was following tweets and everything. And the next thing you know, they're like fire marshal just came in and shut everything down. I was like, man, but, but yeah, I heard Roth showed up and was ready to go and everything. That's the moment in history. We just pinpointed it when the internet changed everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They ruined that whole show. Yeah, because I'm sure everybody within, you know, miles of that of that venue was, you know, running down there as fast as they could to get in. Well, sure, yeah, because word traveled differently at that point. Things had changed. Man, got to love Dave Lee Roth, though. Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens. If any more dates get announced, then we'll uh, totally call him out for it. <laughs> um, I just say, Dave, stay as long as you want. That's fine. Shut out the lights for the rest of us when you're done. So this one interested me this week. Uh, former Black Sabbath singer Tony Martin has put a new single out called As the World Burns. Have you got a chance to listen to this oh, yet? nice. No, uh-uh, I haven't heard about this. It sounds amazing. It's uh, it He's released an official lyric video for As the World Burns. Uh, it's taken from an upco- upcoming solo album called Thorns, which is coming out in January. Hmm. And... Uh, it sounds awesome. I was blown away by it. The riff's great on it. Uh, his voice is just, he sounds as good now as he did back in the 80s. It's crazy. Right on. <laughs> always meant to check out more of his solo stuff. Yeah, he's got uh, guys from Venom, Hammerfall, uh, and uh, his even his son plays on this. Wow. So uh, he says the new album is probably the most Tony Martin and Tony Martin album has ever sounded. Got several surprises that will lift people's eyebrows, I'm sure, largely, but not entirely based around the riffs of Scott McClellan. New to the world scene, 
he's proved to be a worthy partner in crime for this release. And he says, uh, it was very similar in the writing sense to what he did with Tony Iommi. And, uh, yeah, I, I could hear this being Sabbathy. I mean, it's a, it's a little bit more up tempo than typical Sabbath stuff, but the riff on it's great. The production sounds great to me. I, uh, checked out as the world burns on YouTube by Tony Martin. I think you guys, if you love the black Sabbath stuff that he did, I think you'll really, really enjoy it. And I think Tony Martin's one of those unsung guys, you know, because Sabbath wasn't so prevalent. You know, when people talk about Black Sabbath, very rarely are they talking about the Tony Martin era because Uh not a lot of people are familiar with that stuff. But, man, I'm telling you, you know, we did an episode about that way, way, way back. Mm -hmm. What did we call that? The other Sabbath. The other side of Sabbath. That's right. Yeah, because that's the one nobody ever talks about. That was a really fun episode. And even though it was so long ago, that one still stands out to me because I never listened to any of that stuff. And then when we did that episode, it really made me aware of how good, even though nobody ever talks about it, nobody ever played it for me when, I, when that stuff was new. And I totally missed out on it the first time. But going back, man, there is some killer stuff in the Tony Martin era of Black Sabbath. Hot it take. Horrible though. <laughs> well, yeah, I I remember I the the title track from Headless Cross alone is uh, mm. one of the best songs in the Sabbath catalog, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, I even like the Glenn Hughes stuff, you know, the Seventh Star and all that. Um, I remember we had a a video channel when I lived in Georgia. I think it was called Music Box or something like that. It was like they were trying to rival MTV, but it was like all request or something. Like you would call in a number and they would play the video. But it was the same like 20 videos over and over again, so I don't think they were really listening. But uh, they would play the uh, No Stranger to Love video all the time. Do you remember that song? Yeah, I think uh, I do. It's like it was a ballad by Black Sabbath. Yeah. It was some of my earliest exposure to Black Sabbath, and I remember listening to it. I was like, I've heard about Black Sabbath, but I don't think they were supposed to sound like this. And uh, then I, you know, I heard Iron Man and everything after that. But uh, yeah, I remember that. But like, I love the Tony Martin era stuff. Well, I'm not a big fan of Forbidden, but uh, it's all right. That's supposed to get a new release, and I, I didn't put it on our news story list. But I guess Tony Iommi's getting ready to get the t- the tracks for. Um, born again and hoping to remix that yeah good luck tony that should make you happy huh you've always complained about that album well it can't sound any worse so i'm sure it'll be an improvement (laughs) i'm excited to hear it you know i was looking at what's left what kind of bands are still going to come out with stuff before the end of the year and i'm not seeing a whole lot so i think it's time for you and me to start thinking about our year-end episode the one that yeah. we do every year where we talk about the top albums that came out of this previous year. So we got that coming up. And I was looking at some stuff, and I think I don't think there's anything else coming out. I might be wrong. We might get, get a surprise here at the end. I don't know. But there's just been a shit ton of great albums come out this year. And so mm-hmm. get ready because I know this one is always one that we put a lot of extra time into. Yeah. I think this year we might get a couple of weeks ahead to be able to try to figure it out. So I'm telling you, we need to get on the case with that. Oh, I've already started listening and putting my list together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. A little I know bit. how long it's going to take. Yeah, yeah it's, for sure. 
and I'm probably going to have 30 to 40 in contention and have to whittle it down again. Yeah. yeah what do we do? 20 or 10? Uh, last the couple, last couple of years, we've done like 15 each. Okay. So I'm okay with doing 10 if you just want to do 10. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, I just because just there's so much good stuff that always comes yeah, out. This might have to be a top 22 parter. Oh boy! But, uh, <laughs> and I know one thing that's always been a tradition on the year-end episode is hearing a lot of mentions of Frontiers Records. Yeah, I'm guessing this year's probably going to be about the same because Frontiers yeah. Records is one of those record labels that really they we are their audience. And I was going to say, if you are a fan of this kind of music and you want to keep up with new stuff coming out, a cool thing you can do is get on Frontier's email list or follow them on Facebook because every once in a while they have like big sales of stuff. Mm -hmm. And not too long ago, I got the notification that they were having a big CD sale. And so I was like, hell yes. So I got in there and started picking some out and I sent in the order. And then it was like last week and I was like, man, it's been a long time since I placed that order for them CDs. I wonder where the heck they're at. So I look it up on the tracking, and it's like it came all the way to Nashville, made it to, like, sort of in my old neighborhood, mm-hmm. but then went back. And I was like, why? So I get looking, I send a message, and I say, hey, I'm not sure what happened. So then as I get looking at it, I realized because we had moved, like, not that long ago, mm-hmm. I put the current address with the old zip code and the mail people here, even though they seen it said Goodlitzville on it, couldn't figure out that it didn't belong in old Hickory. So it got sent back. Oh no. But I talked to Vanessa who's either in the warehouse or works for frontiers. I'm not sure, but she got it all straightened out for me and my CDs are on the way. So here's your promised shout out, Vanessa frontiers music rocks. You sure it wasn't uh, Meredith in the Department A? No, it definitely wasn't Meredith. Otherwise, no. <laughs> I never, never would have got it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be waiting 20 years from now and still. I'd get yeah. a lot of empty promises, but no, that's not how Frontiers operates. <laughs> These are going to be classic albums by the time I get them. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, but I'm excited. They're on our way, and they help me out. So Frontiers is awesome. So the next story is uh, a tour announcement that I know you're excited for. Uh, Styx and REO Speedwagon and Loverboy have announced a summer 2022 tour. What do you think about that? I don't know. I was never a big (laughs) Loverboy fan. I never really got into REO Speedwagon, even though the lead singer's brother was our local weatherman for years. Really? Kevin Cronin's brother? Yeah, Sean Cronin was his name no kidding when i was in the sixth grade i got to interview him and it's funny looking back on it now because he was like yeah i bet you didn't know this my brother is the lead singer of reo speedwagon and i was like oh yeah great (laughs) (laughs) you're like don't go around telling people that dude (laughs) oh man but i mean sticks ain't bad sticks had some good songs you got to listen to a little bit more REO, though, because what you know is the ballady hits. Yeah. To, like, but there's a lot of rocking stuff in their catalog, man. You know, and I've always heard that about Loverboy, too. Like, you always mm-hmm. heard just, like, the songs on the radio that were kind of silly and poppy, but people have told me that there is a heavier side of Loverboy, even. I don't know about that. 
I was listening to uh, Rock and Metal Combat podcast. They put out a couple new episodes recently, and they were right talking on. about this tour. And, and Ian was, uh, they were talking about how, uh, like, if you could take Loverboy's catalog, you could uh, create a playlist that would make a great EP. Great EP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, Ian was like, well, I'll show up for the show just so they can have one black person in the audience. Oh, boy. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I like uh, I like some stick stuff. I like I think the REO is the one I'd be more excited to see. Just because yeah. I mean, guitar playing wise, Gary Richrath was a great guitar player. But uh, I don't know. I, this is one of those where if I get free tickets, I might go. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. It's an interesting combination. It's a good combination of bands yeah. if you're into that stuff. Um, sure. I bet you. Even if you're not into these bands, you still go and have a great time. I'm not crazy about the tour title. It's called Live and Unzoomed. Unzoomed. <laughs> yeah, because everybody's on Zoom meetings right, over the past yeah. year. It's like, uh, you're really dating the tour to that. But um, I don't know. I'd love to. Tommy Shaw's a good player, good guitar yeah, player. I like Tommy Shaw. He lives here. I, he's somebody I wouldn't mind interviewing one of these days. I like him. That'd be cool. We have to find a Sticks album, maybe do an Albums Unleashed on or something. Let us, know in, let us know in the comments if we were to do an Albums Unleashed on Sticks, which album would it have to be? And please don't say uh, Mr. Roboto. Please say Mr. Roboto. Don't mind, I got though, Mr. Roboto. <laughs> I got a secret. Love uh, it. <laughs> yeah. you, ever hear, you ever hear L.A. Guns cover of that song? No, and I don't think I want to. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Is there any song L.A. Guns has not covered? I don't think so. They do them all pretty good. Wow. I always hear those and be like, man, this would be so much better L.A. Guns song. <laughs> Boy. All right. Uh, next story is uh, about Anthrax. And Anthrax will not release a new album until the band members know it's the right record. And it's, it makes sense. It says uh, Anthrax bassist Frank Bellow spoke to Meltdown on Detroit's WRIF radio about the progress of the songwriting sessions for the upcoming album that's the follow-up to 2016's For All Kings album. It's been a minute. He says, uh, yeah, it's hard to believe it was 2016 that that album got released. Um, he says, we've been going back and forth with stuff. Scott and I flew out to Charlie's house in Chicago. He's got a nice little studio there, so we do it there, and just a bunch of demos. Yeah, it's just getting back to it and living with the songs, making sure it's the right stuff, and we're going to continue that and make sure it's the right record, and it will be the right record because we won't let it out without it. Um, he says, after all these time, all these years of doing this, you learn not to, nobody's in a rush here. We get to make the record that we want to go on tour with for two and a half to three years. In reality, that's what happens. We have to live with it because we're fans. And I think you just know when a song's ready, so we'll write it. We'll digest it for a little while, then maybe go back and nitpick it a little bit and make sure it's exactly ready to go. And you could feel great when you play it live. And being a fan of this music, you hope that everybody feels like that, so we just know it at this point. I think it's smart to do it that way, to digest it, just live with it for a while, make sure they're right. And that's what we've been doing for a while now. So, I mean, I'm that is one good benefit to the way the music industry works these days is bands can kind of do everything on their own timetable, yeah. not not be not be pressed to to put something out on a timeline. Sure. And you look at a band like Anthrax <clears throat> that's had such a long career and has such a massive discography, I'm sure those guys can each look back and pick out things that they would have done differently on every single album they ever came out with. And like you said, especially bands back in the day where it's like, okay, get off tour 
and get in the studio because you've got this much time to write all these songs or come up with songs or enough good songs to make a new album, you know, hurry up. All right. And that sucks. You know, that's probably where a lot of them guys would look back and say, I just wish we would have had more time, you know, more yeah. time to put more into it. Or maybe, like they said, sit on it for a minute, listen to it for a little bit, really soak it in and either one, get to the point where you say, I love it. You know, I'm happy to release this. This is something I'll always be proud of. I'm good to go. Or here's the couple of things that I see that I think could change this to make it better. I don't have a problem with that. I'd rather wait a little bit longer, even though it's been too long already for a new Anthrax album, but get something that everybody's proud of and they know that's going to be good. Yeah. And, um, you know, another cool thing about Anthrax is Jonathan Danaeus, their guitar player, is a Decibel Geek listener. Nice. So, hi, Jonathan. I love that. <laughs> he loves our Albums Unleashed episodes. Right on. Maybe he, he can uh, put in the word and we can do an Anthrax one. I, hey, I'd love to. And um, he's got a great band that he also does called Living Wreckage that he sent me some stuff from, and I, it's great. So we we got to find a way to play some of that soon, too. Right on. We uh, did a Friday Night Live last week, and we did some Smash Trash. Maybe we can... Uh, Put that on there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I definitely want to get him on the show sometime because it'd be interesting to talk to a member of Anthrax that's actually, you know, kind of living the whole... And he's also uh, in the band uh, Shadows Fall. You know, he's oh, wow. uh, he's, he's been doing it for a long time. But yeah, loves the show, listens to us regularly. And uh, if you're listening, Jonathan, hi. Rock on, dude. Very cool. Yep. So uh, next, uh, <laughs> I, this I only <laughs> share this because of the headline. <laughs> You can't help but notice this headline. Ted Nugent, I don't write songs, I ejaculate them. God, you gotta love Ted Nugent. <laughs> so, in a new interview with the Jeremy White Show, <clears throat> legendary rocker Ted Nugent spoke about how he goes about making fresh music. He said, I am consumed with the creative process, but with me, it's really not a process. People always ask me, so how do you go about writing a song? And let me clarify, I've never written a song. I've never sat down with a pen and paper. I always have a guitar handy. I play my guitar every day. And I don't write songs. I don't compose songs. I ejaculate them. That's awesome. <laughs> I play play my guitar and my hands find their home on the guitar. It's like I'm he, a paints musical... a, he paints a picture with his words. <laughs> yeah, he does. He says, I'm a musical monster. I grab the guitar and shit explodes. Yeah. Flames come out of my ass because I am so pure. I have no baggage. I have no inhibitions. So um, I love it. Yeah, he does ejaculate songs, um, if, but if you listen to some of his more recent output, I wonder if it's coming out the other end. Oh, That's just no. me. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but writing a song called I Love My Barbecue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He writes songs for whatever he wants to write about. He definitely People that does. are still buying Ted Nugent albums love him just the way he is. Yep. All right, next story. Nikki Six says Molly Crew is 100% planning on finally launching the stadium tour in 2022. Mm. This has been uh, a long time coming. She said, um, responding to a fan who wrote, I'm hopefully going to see the crew in Houston August 2022. He says, we 100% plan on touring in 2022. See you at the show. So this is interesting, though, because like I, I'm i privy to a little bit of behind-the-scenes information on this tour. And, you know, originally the, the lineup was Motley Crue, Poison, Def Leppard, and Joan Jett. Right. I've heard that at least Poison and Joan Jett are not going to do this tour. Wow. And possibly Def Leppard. There might be a completely whole new lineup 
underneath Motley Crue on this this uh, tour when it comes up. So I, it'll be interesting to see what happens because they also have a lot of tickets that are being held for this that have been, you know, people oh, have been waiting people for. paid for for a long time ago. Yeah. So I don't know how happy they're going to be with a different lineup, you know, doing it. But I don't know. But, I mean, you can't blame the other bands for taking other dates and having to drop off. You know, it's they got to take what they can get. But I don't know. I've heard that at least Poison and Joan Jett are not doing the tour. Hmm. I wonder why Poison's not doing it. Because they probably took gigs doing something else. Good, I hope so. I hope they're actual Poison shows with them headlining. Either that or Brett Michaels is going to do another solo tour. And no, nobody wants sing that. Sing Sublime covers. Nobody wants that. We want reunited Poison playing Poison songs at full volume the way it's supposed to be. All four original members, that's what we want. Matt Smith's going to play guitar? Well, all four members of the classic, <laughs> most recognizable era. I know. If I so got we'll to see be what technical. Happens. Yeah. That should be interesting. <clears throat> I would uh, rather our... see that than the Motley Crue final tour, honestly. Oh, I would too. Hmm. I wonder who will step up to take their places. Ace Fraley? Hmm. He wishes he would get that tour. Why wouldn't he? He just did the Alice Cooper tour and did good. You know, Alice announced new dates. Uh, yeah, with Ace. Ace. Well, there's a couple with Ace, but most of them are with Buck Cherry. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, I don't know. Ace has got something in the works, too. Oh, yeah. New music. The heavy stuff. That's what we see. talked about last time. And we've been doing this for a while. Don't we have any kiss news? <laughs> we do. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> it's almost like you looked at a at a Google Doc Asking and, and saw that. shall receive. So, uh, Carmine of Peace, you know, previous rock and pod guest, has been in the news a lot, and uh, he says that he thinks Kiss can carry on without any original members. That's been talked about for a while. He said uh, in an interview with the Rock Experience with our friend Mike Brun, he said. Uh, I respect Gene for what he's talking about when he's saying he's going to get new guys to play in Kiss to keep it going like a baseball team. I think he's right now. I'm not a fanatic Kiss fan, but think about it. 40 years ago, there was a whole different New York Yankees, a whole different Rams, a whole different Lakers. They're still the Lakers, and people are still fans, so why not be a band that wears makeup that's going to look like the characters forever? I could see Alice Cooper doing that, too. He's wrong on that count. Nobody's replacing Alice Cooper. No, I think Kiss is the only band you can really do that with. Yeah. Maybe Guar. Yeah. But I don't even know if you could do it with Guar. They kind of had to. But, yeah, Kiss is really the only band you can do that with, I think. At this point, with what they're trotting out there, what's the difference? Yeah. And then the question is, do you do it like a piece at a time? Like Paul Stanley says, I'm retiring, but the new star child is, is Phil Schultz. Oh, I wish. And then the rest of the band goes on with him, you know, because Tommy and Eric aren't ready to retire. And Gene, he's got a few more years left in him. Maybe Paul steps out first. The new star child is in. And then eventually Gene makes his announcement. Okay, I'm done too. Here's the new, here's Nick Simmons, the new demon. You know, (laughs) and then that goes on for a while. And then eventually Eric Singer wants to retire. So here's the new Catman. Or do you do it all at once? I don't know. Like, I mean, we're done. This is new kiss. Well, I mean, there was there was serious talk behind the scenes 
a few years ago that Doc McGee was working with Mark Burnett, the TV producer, to do a a show. Remember Rockstar NXS where they picked a new singer? That they were going to do that. They were going to do that with Kiss. That's probably the way to do it. I think we've had this discussion before. I know we have. I know we hardly ever talk about Kiss. Not ever. But Uh, it's a pretty interesting concept. You know, there's no reason why it couldn't. The only way it wouldn't work is if the new members sucked. But there's been well, a ton of different members of KISS over the years. You know, why couldn't it go on conceivably forever? At this point, it doesn't matter. I mean, like anyone that's still hanging on and is like, oh, that's going to ruin their integrity. It's like, have you been paying attention for the last yeah, 20 years? No, integrity, <laughs> that's out the window a long time ago. Long time you ago. You know, so don't worry about that. What I would be interested in, and I think, honestly, I would be more interested in this than a new KISS album would be you get the new members together, they're all relatively close to who they're replacing. You got the new star child, he's got to kind of look and sound like Paul Stanley. You got the new demon, he's got to kind of look like Gene Simmons. He's got to sing like him, he's got to play like him. So they have to go to Kiss School. That could be another TV show. (laughs) Taking them to Kiss School, teaching them how to be Kiss. And then... They work on a, they work on songs with him to make a new yeah, album. Yeah, I think if you had Paul and Gene contributing to songwriting, yeah. I think more I think more fans would probably get on board with it. Yeah, I would rather have that than a new Kiss album at this point, to be honest with you, because it'd be such an interesting concept. Yeah, and it'd be cool to have Kiss be able to breathe new life into new Kiss songs without the things that hold them back now from being able to do that but we know that's not going to happen no because that would be awesome and kiss likes to tease us with awesome stuff and then give us the same albums over and over again well and the the same you know 20 song set list they always play Mm. um but i don't know we'll see what happens don't worry new kiss this will be easy you only have to learn 20 songs exactly you never have to play anything else even on the cruise, like although they did break a couple out on the cruise this year. Yeah, but. I do like that when they go deep and pull that stuff out, and they are capable of doing it, so it's all right, I guess. You know, everybody's talking about, like, well, when's the final date going to be and everything, and, like, somebody brought up an interesting thing on the uh, the KISS FAQ message board, and if, if you're a KISS fan and you haven't checked KISS FAQ out, it's, like, the best message board there is. Thanks, Julian Gill. Um, you put up with a lot of shit to do that board. But, uh, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, oh God, the amount of moderation that he has to go through. Crazy Kiss fans, gotta love them. But one, but somebody on there brought up an interesting point. Was you know, and I'm in the I'm in the same boat as them. I'm not so much into like because some people are like, well, what if they did a like a final show and they have the current band play and then they just get Ace, Peter, and Vinny and Bruce to just get up and wave to the audience and they all hug and they leave. Lame. And I'm like, that is lame. And like, in the but somebody brought up a good thing. They were like, you know, honestly, and I agree with this person. I would be more interested in like a roundtable discussion with all the living members and former members of the band, doing like a long form two hour talk about their history. Hmm. I was thinking more like a battle royal of every member of <laughs> Kiss ever to decide who is the true champion of Kiss. A fight to the death. We know Vinny would win, right? Fight to the death. 
kitten's got claws. Watch out. Yeah. Nah, Peter would beat the shit out of everybody. <laughs> I'm pretty sure of that. I think Peter's the toughest member of the band that's ever been in the band. Um, I can't see Gene and Paul, either, either of them being good fighters. I don't know. Gene seems like he'd kick somebody's ass. Remember that time really. at the solo show that he went up in the crowd after that dude? Yeah, with a security guard right next to him the whole time. Well, yeah, the security guard's got to follow him, but yeah, Gene went wasn't straight out there. Guy. What if that dude would have swung on him? He easily could. He was right up in his face. That guy could have swung on Gene Simmons. I don't think Gene's a fighter. But Gene I punked him out with his words. He doesn't need to fight. Yeah, he did. That, did you know who that guy was that was heckling him? No. He was in a band called Anal Cunt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Wow. Oh, yeah. That may not make the top headlines of 2019 list. Because nobody else knows who anal cunt is. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you heard it once, now you know there's a band out there called that. Oh, yeah. They've I been remember for them a while. From years I've heard ago. that before. Oh, yeah. They were like a big time underground band from Boston. And like that guy actually went on his buddy's podcast. Um, like a couple of weeks after that show and recounted the whole thing. Wow. And it's interesting to hear it from his perspective. I mean, I don't blame Gene for doing what he did, but at the same time, I thought the guy did have a good argument because like, true. you've got, we're going to interrupt the, the show right in the middle of the set list to have the mayor come up and give a speech. And it's like, really? It's like probably not a good, it just, it, it did destroy the vibe of the show. It's like one of those things where like, we all probably, everybody in the crowd probably felt the way that guy did. Yeah. But wasn't an asshole enough to say something. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you got the balls to name your band something like that, then yeah, you know it's got to kind of expected. And I'm surprised he didn't swing on Gene when he came up there. Yeah, I don't think you know who you're messing with. I'm the bass player from Anal Cunt, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and this I am episode obligated to kick your ass because you came up here. I'm so sorry. Yeah, this episode just got its explicit oh, tag. Thanks. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um, but yeah, so where were, where were we? Oh yeah, Kiss 2.0. Um, I don't know. I part, But there's also a skeptical part of me that thinks that Kiss 2.0 has only been bandied about because it's Paul and Gene's way of making people kind of call off the dogs on Eric and Tommy for wearing the makeup. <laughs> if they're still mad about that, let's give them something really to get mad about. Well, it's kind of like, well, we can all be replaced. There, one day there could be no Gene, yeah. no Paul, and you know, it's, it's their way of saying, well, you know, lay off Eric and Tommy, because one of these days we're not going to even be here. So there may not be any intention. Ever, but I know that I do know they were talking to to Mark Burnett about doing it as a, a TV game show thing. I do know that was in the works. I guess I'd watch it. And then, <laughs> and then Paul got divorced and needed to go back on tour. <laughs> Well, I guess when it comes um, to KISS 2.0, my first vote for a new replacement member, Ace Fraley. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Start all with replacing Tommy Thayer with Ace. And then whoever else after that. Yeah. Just the rest of the uh, Ace Fraley, Gene Simmons band. See, I want KISS to retire just so Gene will do an album with those guys. Yeah. That would be freaking awesome. I would take that over a KISS album, over yep. a Paul album, anything. Yes. Yes, 100%. I want to hear what Gene could do with those guys in a studio with real songs. Sit down with all of them and write and come up mm -hmm. with some good stuff because, man, those guys all got rock and roll deep down in their veins, man. They bleed it. 
And so they're going to come in and, man, Gene Simmons has never really truly put out a great solo album. No, and it would be a nice cohesive thing, and you've got the right band for it because they're all major Kiss fans. Yep, and they understand what the Kiss fans want out of Gene yep. Simmons and a Gene Simmons album. It's yep. a win-win. You can't go wrong. Please, Gene Simmons, I know you listen to the Decibel Geek podcast. Please do this. <laughs> do this for the fans. Give us the kick-ass Gene Simmons solo album that we've always deserved, that we've always wanted. Kick-ass rock and roll, the good stuff. Come on, Gene. So we're not done talking about Motley Crue. Um. Next story, Motley Crue has sold their catalog to BMG for approximately $150 million. Wow. They're rich beyond their wildest dreams. There's a lot of bands doing this now, selling these, you know, having these multi-million dollar catalog sales, and I don't understand it. What are they going to do with it? Because, I mean, nobody's buying records anymore. So it's like, how the fuck is BMG supposed to get 150 million dollars back from this i don't understand it. they must have an idea of something in the future that the rest of us maybe not are privy to yet well that's what i'm wondering it seems fish it, it seems fishy to me and it's like is is something going to happen where music is going to be paid for again like does this mean that there's going to be a major i almost wonder if these big music groups are going to be going after Spotify and Apple and all these other companies and saying pay up and trying to stop streaming. Where bands don't really have the power individually right. to stand up for their rights as much as a giant corporation such as BMG. Yeah, because like BM, you have to imagine BMG owns probably you know hundreds of artists' full catalogs. So who's to stop them from going to Spotify and saying, all right, no deal anymore, you know, we're we're taking our ball and going home, and then you're forced to go buy records again. Yeah, because at that point, if Spotify accepts the new terms and pays more for the rights to stream the songs, then that means they're passing on that money. They're not eating that themselves. They're passing no. it on to you, the Spotify subscribers. They'll raise their prices. So then at that point, if a band that you like comes out with a new album... You're going to go, damn, it's 50 bucks to stream it. I might as well just order the CD from their freaking website for 20 bucks. That's what I, that's my, that's my conspiracy theory. But it's a, but like the offspring, you know, and like I, neither of us are real big fans of the offspring, but I like the offspring. I actually bought their new album. Well, they sold their catalog for like somewhere like 30, 40 million last year. Wow. And there's several bands that are doing this now and i get it from the artist side because they're like well we're not making shit off record sales so why not but i'm thinking what's motivating these giant companies to buy to pay this ridiculous amount of money for these rights and i get Hmm. you can make money off tv and movies but not that much well when a band like europe tells a wrestler you're going to pay us a hundred thousand dollars and you're only going to have the rights to play the song 20 times per year there's some value in that. You know, not everybody's going to be able to say, okay, I'll pay that. But sometimes it will. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm, for me, I'm happy for Motley Crue. They deserve the payday. You know, it's nice to get paid for what you, what you put out. But 
I don't know. We're going to see what happens with the streaming thing, but I don't think it can go on like this forever. I think stuff's going to change. And I, with all these catalogs getting sold, I think it's going to happen sooner than later too. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds like something's in the works that maybe we don't know about just yet, but there's, like you said, they don't make investments like that big money corporations into something that's going to lose in the end. You know, it's always pretty calculated. I got to imagine when you're talking about $150 million, you're not just buying that on a whim. No. You got to know something's coming. There's going to be a change. And then everybody's going to come to me and go, oh, Aaron, you were so smart. You bought all them CDs all along. (laughs) Now we want to pay you $150 billion for your collection. And I'll say, no, that's the Decibel Geek Library. No, I'll say, yeah, take it. Come get it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. So uh, next story. Great White's Mark Kendall has confirmed that singer Terry, I say it, Eilis Ilu. I don't know how you pronounce his name. I have no idea either. Terry Eilis was fired via email. That sucks. Yeah. And this is an interesting story. Um, Mark Kendall was on uh, Sean Ratchet's uh, The Laughing Monkey Music uh, website or podcast. Asked if it's true that Terry was told via email he was out of the band. Mark said, well, it's kind of that way, but I saw him later on at NAM and he was all good with it. The whole thing for me was his solo band was just kind of waiting around for him. They weren't doing anything, and I felt like he glued into that band perfect, their style. It just seemed like his voice fit with the Inside Out stuff from XYZ. It just glued into that music. Our fans kind of look confused a little bit when they'd watch our shows, but then he'd sing really good and they go, Oh, okay. This guy's cool. I just don't have a lot of thing, a lot to say that's bad about Terry. He's a very nice guy. Now that's Mark's side of the story. And, um, but Terry in April was on waste some time with Jason green. That's a great YouTube interview show. If you haven't watched it hmm. and he said he always made it a point to tell people that his primary focus was great white, not a solo career. He says, I was doing a lot of interviews and I always said one thing. I said, I'm the lead singer of great white. My priority is great white. I always made sure to say that because sometimes people can misinterpret what you want to say. So I said, no, I'm the lead singer of the band, great white. I'll be touring with great white. And if the band is not touring, then I'll be doing that on my own. And that's it. But apparently got some, someone got upset. I was touring, and eventually one day I received an email saying, thank you for a great service. You're a great singer. Have a good life. And that was it. Wow. And he says uh, he had no idea at all he was going to be replaced. Last time I played with them, we did a string of sold-out shows. In fact, one of the last shows we did was actually on a Thursday in Wisconsin. We did a summer fest, and there were 10,000 people there. I'm sorry, but 10,000 people were not there to see Great White. Well, it was um, summer fest. You know, there was yeah. a lot of different bands playing. No, I know, but not just for Great White. <laughs> he says, uh, the crowd went crazy, 10,000 people going nuts, and That's that good. day I sang so well. You know, sometimes you sing better than other days. But that day I was really good. Not to be pretentious, but I was happy. I was, And uh, he says, we did two other shows, one in Las Vegas. We did a show with Slaughter, and everybody gave me a big hug. Hey, brother, see you next week. That's the last time I talked to anyone in the band. On Monday morning, I get an email. The leader of the band, Mark, sent me an email, but it was on behalf of everybody in the band. We think that you should be replaced by somebody else, and we wish you the best. The email was polite. Good luck to you. You will have no problem finding another band. Please don't say bad things about us. We will never say bad things about you, and that was it. That's right, (laughs) because we're putting you on our resume, and we imagine you're putting us on yours, so... 
Yeah. If anybody calls, you know, give good reference, please. What a clusterfuck. Yeah, and that's then, crazy, though, a little bit, you know, getting an email like that. And then you run into him at NAM and be like, oh, hey, man, did you get my email? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Aaron, did you get my email? I'm yeah, I saw that. I decided to come do the show anyway. <laughs> no. Um, uh, but And then you replace him with Mitch Malloy. Yeah, I was going to say, you think... Uh, then KK was upset when he saw Andy Sneed got this job in Judas Priest. Yeah. Imagine how Terry felt. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Mitch Malloy, really? <laughs> the Great Whites. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I mean, that Elation album was okay. I just don't feel it with Mitch Malloy in Great White. And I just it's hard for me to accept Great White without Jack Russell. And I know there's reasons. Oh. I know there's reasons. And I would rather, if they were both playing on the same night, I'm probably going to go see Jack Russell's Great White. And I'm certain mm-hmm. I would, you know? Me too. Yeah. Jack's the voice of that band. Yeah, for sure. You know, he's got that special kind of bluesy soul that is just perfect for Great White. I wish there was a way that they could figure it out. I know, I don't know. I know there's a lot of struggles between the members and former members of that band. But I wish they could pull it together. You know, Terry's playing here in Nashville like in a week. Really? Yeah, he's playing at Bowie's. You want to hear something terrible? Mm. Some of these clubs around here. Here's another news story for you. If you listen to this because you love rock music and you also own a club and you have bands come play there, you got to find a way to get the word out. I found out yep. way too late. That junkyard played here yeah. just the other night. They played at the Cobra. That was where we had the first Rockin' Pod pre-party. Yeah, they played last night. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't either until Mike texted me about it. Yeah, same here. I was like, son of a bitch. I, haven't, I had no idea. Yeah, my daughter had a concert at school, so Man, I saw a better cool show. But, uh, yeah. I, I can't like, imagine oh, junkyard rolls through here too often. I hate that when I miss a show like that because I want as many people as possible to go because I want them to come back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I heard I thought Mike was texting me about it. I'm like, what a bunch of lame ass promotion. Like I never even heard about this. Yeah. I hope they had a good turnout anyway. And that's I hope what's so. tough too. And I've I've said it a million times. It's tough when you got a band like Junkyard playing at a club on a Tuesday night. Because what is the demographic for the band Junkyard? We're all old now. We have to go to work. Yeah. We have to go to work. We're not young kids. Mm-hmm. Young kids probably don't care about Junkyard. If young kids were lucky enough to be there that night, then I'm sure they got some new fans. But as far as drawing them in, you're not drawing in a whole bunch of 21-year-olds with Junkyard. You're drawing me in in my middle age. I got to go to work the next morning. I can't come to your rock show on a Tuesday night that's going to last till midnight. Sorry, I'm old. That's why. <laughs> that's why I still say, if I was still really a concert promoter, I would book these bands and I would have them play at seven o'clock at night. Yeah, for sure. I would have considered that if it would have been if the show would if Junkyard would have been on the stage at seven, done by ten. Yeah, I considered that because it wasn't too far from the house. Right, but uh, I don't know. I hope it worked out well for them. Maybe they need Cobra to do Boy. when they book the bands. What they need to do is you bring in Junkyard, right? And you have them do an afternoon matinee. <laughs> I don't see the problem with it. I don't see a problem with that either. <laughs> I would, at my age, I would go to more shows if they were earlier. I just don't want to be out till two in the morning on a fucking Tuesday night. Yeah, have them play early. 
say, you know, start around four, and then they play, and then you give them a couple hours in between, and then have them come back and play for the kids that just happen to be hanging out at the bar where Junkyard's playing. All right. I like that idea. There you go, old-time rockers just like us. Y'all think about that. Afternoon matinees. <laughs> I'll be honest, though. I never really got into Junkyard. I tried. No. I just didn't I didn't think they were that good. That last That's album they me. came out with was really good. Eh, it's all right. I like Junkyard. I would have gone. All right, so you added a story here at the end. What do you, you want to talk about, Dokken? I just saw this right before we started recording, and it says that Dokken is finally done recording a new album. So I got to imagine we got that looking forward to in 2022 sometime, I would imagine. Yeah. With the magic of studio effects for Don Dokken, because I think he's kind of in the Paul Stanley boat, ain't he? Oh, he's as bad, if not worse. Well, then we'll find out if it can be done. Well, can studio can studio magic be done to make Don Dokken sound like himself without sounding like Robo Ozzy? <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I saw it was the first album since 2012's Broken Bones, wow. and I remember talking about that record like in the first year of us doing this show. Yeah, it's been that long since they've done a record. Wow. So, I mean, I'm I'm certainly curious to hear it, and I love John Levin as a guitar yeah. player. He's a great player. Oh, he's got a great band. Yeah, I'm and just I like Broken what it's gonna Bones. Sound I thought like. it was great. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I got to imagine it's probably, one way or another, I got to imagine it's probably going to be pretty good. It's been a long time since we had a Dokken album. I'm probably a bigger Dokken fan now than I've been in my entire life. Like, after talking to Michael Wagner, I went out and bought one of the final pieces I needed for my Dokken collection, and that was Breaking the Chains, which is a great album. It's very cool. And I think I was never big into Dokken when I was younger, but the older I get, the more I appreciate them. Well, he's saying in this interview that um, he thinks it's between the lines of tooth and nail and under lock and key. So Sounds great. That's a, that's a high mark to be yeah. putting up there, but yeah, we'll see what, we'll see what the results are. Aim high, Don Dockin. <laughs> I like it. Hopefully you can sing high, but we'll see. All Very right, cool. so the last story. We got one. I got one more. Oh, do you? Yeah, what, a little behind-the-scenes news. You know, we're a part of Pantheon Podcast. We're always real proud about that. We're telling everybody all the time that we're a proud part of this group of podcasts. These guys that were smart went and got all the best podcasts and put them all under one umbrella, and they help out the shows and stuff. And we got in trouble with Pantheon Podcast for not participating enough. Did we? You sent me the email. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I just wanted you to see what all the stuff they had lined up on there. And, and I don't know if you had any interest I know. In I felt terrible because we need to start interacting more because we always come on the show. We always talk about what a great thing it is to be a part of Pantheon and how proud we are of it. But we're not putting in the work. <laughs> no, we're, we're definitely not. We're slacking so bad. So do us a favor. And this is your news release. Pantheon podcast <laughs> is amazing. They went and cherry-picked all the best podcasts that have anything to do with music. Go check them out. Check out their whole roster. This isn't just me saying this because we're in trouble. This is me saying it because it's true. If you're looking for any new podcast, maybe you got a job where you've got all kinds of time to fill where you can listen to podcasts, God bless you. I'm so jealous. I wish I could have that. <laughs> You got time, you need new podcasts, you want to peruse new stuff, check new things out, start with Pantheon because they've got them all, all the best. We're on there. That's got to say something. So take my word for it. 
It's the news, and I'm telling you, breaking news. You got to go to Pantheon and check out all they got. We're sorry, guys. We'll be better podcasters for you. I promise. Well, they're interested in doing, uh, they're doing, they're putting together like a Roku channel for video podcasts. So they're kind of interested in what we, if we want to be a part of that too. We could. Can we just give them our Friday Night Lives? I think so. I have to talk to them more. I I did have a call with them this week about Rock and Pod, so I'm back in touch with them more. Right and I, you can feel free to edit this out, but I got to send them a W nine form because apparently we've actually made some money with advertising. Nice. <laughs> so, Maybe I will take one of yeah. those Jews Priest tickets after all. Okay. <laughs> so I, they have a check for me. I just got to send them a W nine for tax purposes. Well, that's pretty cool. You know, again, that comes back to thanks to everybody that listens to this show and thanks to that we actually got some sponsorship going on and that's really all thanks to pantheon so i mean we're not getting rich off this it's not paying our mortgages or nothing but it's nice to get a little cha-ching in appreciation a little bit i think that makes me feel good i know it must for you too oh definitely i mean i i've i've i mean i think we both can confidently say we enjoyed being part of the network and i think it was a good mood for us and you know it, it's nice to be back on spotify of yeah. course but uh, yeah, it's uh, and they were great to work with for Rock and Pod. So yeah, I love those guys. Right on. So that's very cool. Yeah, we really love it. You guys are gonna love it too. We've had the guys on the show before with us, Christian and Peter, both cool dudes. Yep. So yeah, we're gonna do our best to be a little better for them, and also we're gonna do our best to be a little better for our for our Patreon subscribers. This one, it used to be always Chris's fault, but this one's my fault. I just found some new stuff that we recorded a little bit ago specifically for our Decibel Geek VIPs. I'm talking about an episode, at least one episode, maybe two of the Mm -hmm. Torpedo Dudes and a handful of Chris and Aaron stuff that we haven't released yet. So I'm going to edit this episode and then I'm going to get to work on some of that stuff. Okay. As a matter of fact, let me tell you people, if you're not checking us out on Friday nights, here's something fun we did. We brought back the most popular episode we ever did in our whole careers of podcasting. (laughs) You know I'm talking about Bracket Brawl. I got a little whiteboard tournament board. I can write dry erase markers on it. And together, since we had the master and ruler of everything new metal, Josh Toomey on the show with us, we did a tournament of all the new metal bands as ranked by ranker.com and got all the way down to one final champion. And if you want to check it out, the replay is available right now on YouTube. We had a blast. So keep an eye open on our Facebook page because we'll make announcements of when we're doing Friday Night Lives, and they're always a lot of fun. Yeah, we got to do more of the bracket brawl. That was that was perfect for the live show. It was cool, man. Very interactive. That's what we try to get with our Friday Night Show. We like you guys that listen to the podcast to join us in real time you guys make the comments we can see them react to them it's a lot of fun all right we uh let's do the icing on the cake this is the (laughs) the last story i wasn't sure if i wanted to talk about this or not but gotta talk about it because this is the first time hearing about it honestly when i opened up this app or uh when i opened up this document that chris sent me with all the news stories on it i scrolled Mm -hmm. down to the bottom and before we started recording he tried talking to me about it i was like no stop I don't want to talk about none of it until we start recording because I can't believe my eyes. (laughs) I don't think anybody else can. I can't believe this is a real thing. Well, we'll find out if it is real or not. Um, So Creatures Fest 2022 was announced. 
to take place in Nashville on Memorial Day weekend next year. Oh, and um, yeah. what is this? This was announced during the. Uh, you know, I don't follow Vinny anymore, but uh, Vinny Vincent. But apparently, people always feel the need to update me on what's going on <laughs> in Vinny's land. The so, side note, hey, I don't know if this is true or not. Let me yeah. check with Chris Sinzak. He's always got the inside track. It's not even at that at that point. It's at the point of, hey, you have to hear about this. Yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so apparently he did a. So Neil Davis, who does the Cruise Fest with Joe, who's okay. my co-partner with uh, Rock and Pod, um, is basically kind of, I guess, Vinny's benefactor now. I don't know. I mean, like, they're working on projects together and stuff, and uh, Neil's been doing, like, all these auctions with Vinny and stuff of signed materials, and that's fine. Whatever works, you know. He must be a miracle man. Yeah. Finding success where so many others have failed. Well, we'll see. Um, but they uh, they did, I guess they did an auction from SIR a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they had Jeremy Asbrock and Brandon Fields and a few other people playing Kiss songs, you know, before the auction, and then... But that nice. part that part was live streamed, and then when Vinny was supposed to play live, of course the live stream stopped all of a sudden. I'm not just gonna say. Um, and then uh, during the auction, they announced this thing called Creatures Fest 2022, and apparently the it's gonna be like a festival show over two or three days, and it's gonna include Quiet Riot, Vixen, John Karabi. The Talisman, who are supposedly going to perform the Lick It Up album from start to finish, and also Great Expectations from Destroyer with a choir singing. That all sounds amazing. And then Vinnie Vincent is going to get on stage in full makeup and with a tank stage that's a complete replica of the Rio stage from the Creatures of the Night tour and do Kiss's entire Rio 83 set list in its entirety. With the talisman? I no, with a, like his own band, apparently. Okay. Wow. I mean, that would be pretty fucking awesome. I gotta say, I would love to go. That's my birthday weekend. I I would love to go do this my birthday weekend. Oh. To be honest with you, if that's really what's gonna happen, I'm in. Okay. Yeah. I hope you have. You fun. ain't gonna go. <laughs> no, I don't think I'll be allowed in. So. <laughs> I uh, so I told you just like last time we'll get the fake mustaches. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, the, here's the, this you know opens up a lot of questions. And then our friend Tyson Leslie, who plays with Vixen, he posted about it, and he goes, "This is happening, I guess, until it's not." And like, I don't think he even knew about it. So I not that Tyson books the band, but Tyson manages right. the band. So I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I mean, Neil's got a lot of money. I guess Fixin at least has been contacted about it. So yeah, I mean, Quiet Riot, I can see happening because they'll take any gig they can get right now. But um, hey, come on! Oh, come on! I'd, I'm excited to see Quiet Riot. I love Jizzy Pearl. I know you do. But uh, and then Karabi. I mean, I, I mean, money talks. Of course, Karabi's going to be awesome. Well, I mean, if the money's there to pay for the for the acts, they'll be there. And the question is, will Vinny show up for this? Because I have reservations about this because Vinny's done these SIR events, you know, to small groups of people and, you know, they take everybody's phone away and there's no live streaming and there's no video evidence of him playing. 
but something on this level, this is going to have to be a for it to succeed. There's going to have to be, it's going to have to be open to the public and open open to people live streaming it and people, you know, everyone just basically seeing him do his thing. And if unless it ends up being, and I could see this possibly being a possibility. Quiet Riot, Vixen, John Karabi, and the Talisman all play, and then show's over unless you paid 500 bucks. <laughs> then you, see you get to see Vinnie Vincent ride out in one of those little plastic Walmart tanks <laughs> that you buy for a little kid, rides out on the stage, parks it, <laughs> parallel, gets out, shreds the 83 Rio set. Uh, I mean, I don't... Boy, I don't know, man. That seems seems crazy and it sucks like even i don't know i don't want to i wouldn't mind seeing any of the other performers now Vinny, i mean i'd love to see it if he could if it was real if if it was really real and vinnie vincent was going to go up there and give justice to it i'd love to see that i've talked to people that i do trust that have gone to these sir things and they say Vinny can still play and i'm like if that's the case good for him um I wouldn't mind seeing it. I, I still love the music. So then it becomes a whole kind of a work thing where you plant the question, can he play? You know, can I play? Nobody really knows for sure. So I keep it under wraps. I can play. I can play no problem. I'm still as good as I ever was. But to let people wonder, you know, and make it be a well, thing, you know, a mystery. That's what he's done. That's actually kind of slick. Well, and if it's a marketing thing, good on him, but... I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, if he wants to shut people up and and put the, and do this, and he does pull it off, good. You know, aside from you know our issues with him, you know, if he can pull it off and make the fans happy, great. I still listen to Creatures. I still listen to Lick It Up, and even now and then, yeah. I still listen to the Invasion records. I don't. It's not gonna. I'm not gonna change my opinion on music just because he was a douchebag to me, um, and absolutely hates us but um i still like we didn't do nothing to him no i don't think we did he still thinks we did but um, but you know what when it comes to creatures fest 2022 i'm gonna buy a ticket even if it's just see quiet riot vix and john karabi and the talisman i'd like to hang out with my friends if that's what it is awesome it's gonna be worth it just for those four bands right there if Mm -hmm. any vincent plays afterwards cool if he don't Whatever, you know, I ain't getting my hopes up for that, and I really don't care. But yep. it's, it's it's enough, I think. I would love to see Jizzy Pearl come to town with Quiet Riot, see Tyson and Vixen. They're yeah. awesome, always. Sure. John Karabi's the man, and you yeah. guys know how we feel about the talisman. Yeah, we love all these people. That's good enough for me right there. Except Vinny. <laughs> um, I'm not, I wouldn't be mad afterwards if they come out and say, Vinny Vincent's not playing. I'd say, eh, whatever. That was awesome. I'd say it makes sense. But uh, I don't know. I'm, like I said, I'm skeptical if Vinny goes through with this. I mean, it, it, I think it would be great if he did. We've all been waiting since 2018 for him to do this. Yeah. So we'll see. You know, he can hate me all he wants, but I, I, I do wish the best for him and the people that want to go support him. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll be following the story, uh, and we'll see if Aaron and my name are on a list at the door, because <laughs> that was almost the case in Atlanta. Almost, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we forgot the fake mustaches, right? Oh well, what are you gonna do? We'll be prepared next time. Maybe I'll be security at wherever they're doing it. I don't know, but uh, 
Just kidding, Vinny. Don't get paranoid. No, we want to come have a good time. And if it's true and you can really play, I'll bring Chris and Zach up there. You can rub it right in his face. <laughs> if he can play, great. I mean, just for the people that continue to support him, great. I don't. Yeah. I our per, my personal issues aside, that's. Uh, I hope he does pull it off. I really do. I do too. I think it would be pretty cool. I will. I hold my breath. And, no. And like I said, <laughs> I would be more than happy enough with those other bands to go see them because you know it's going to be a party atmosphere with those bands. Yeah. And then at the end, if he plays, he plays. If he don't, he don't. Well, I want to see the the Talisman play the Lick It Up album. I think that would yeah, be awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I know Philip and Ryan, I know Philip and Jeremy can pull off those solos. Oh yeah. So, Big yeah. time. So, yeah, that's, very cool, man. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on in the world of rock and roll. Good thing you've got such a reputed news source, such as the Decibel Geek podcast, to get the straight dope from every once in a while. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground today. Mm-hmm. Nice. This was fun. It was good to get back to normal. But now I gotta go, man. I gotta work on my homework for the final episode of the year. Me too. So many albums to go through. Yep. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. See ya.